From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. We have been under stay-at-home orders for four weeks now. How effective has social distancing been in Oregon? And how much longer do we have to isolate? What's happening with testing and the supply of personal protective equipment for our health care workers? We get some answers from the director of the Oregon Health Authority, Director Pat Allen. And later we hear from the CEO of the Oregon Association of Hospitals and Health Systems, Becky Holtberg. We get an inside look at how the pandemic has impacted urban and rural hospitals and our health care workers. First, welcome to my guest, the director of the Oregon Health Authority, Pat Allen. The OHA includes most of the state's health care programs, including public health and the Oregon Health Plan, the state's Medicaid system that serves one in four Oregonians. Welcome to Straight Talk, Director Allen. It's nice to have you here. Thanks for having me. We're taping this on Thursday afternoon. Can you tell us what the state of the pandemic is right now in Oregon and how well we're doing with social distancing and flattening the curve? Is it making a big difference? It's making a huge difference, Laurel. Uh, we get frequently updated modeling that looks at where we are today, how many people are using uh, our hospital beds, how many people have tested positive, but also estimating how many cases out there uh, haven't been tested. And, uh, and by staying home to save lives, by doing all the things that are so really hard that Oregonians have been doing, um, we have really flattened the curve as the, as the saying goes. And there are, uh, there are, are uh, probably 75%, as many as 75% fewer people with uh, COVID-19 today than there would have been had we not taken the steps that we've taken over the last uh, month and a half. What do you say to people at this point who might be saying, because we haven't seen a surge that, that maybe people feared, but we've seen a lot of economic pain, people losing their jobs, people having to get unemployment, that maybe it was an overreaction. What do you say to that thought? Yeah, I really don't think the data bears that out. Uh, if you look at um, if you look at the, the curve of cases that have occurred uh, over, the, uh, over the time since February 28th when we got our, our first positive case, you can really see it rising uh, and then begin to change as we begin to, began to implement various steps. And now you've really seen it plateau uh, and maybe even potentially begin to, begin to decrease a little bit. Um, and you know, I think part of, part of the, the challenge is even if we hadn't taken those steps um, in terms of the governor uh, making orders, uh, people were and continue to be very concerned about this disease because it can be a very serious disease, especially for the elderly and those with underlying conditions. And, and people start voting with their feet. And so some of the uh, economic dislocation we, we would have seen, I, I'm certain anyway, uh, as people became concerned about going out in public and uh, interacting in the same way. So I think that everything about the data that I see shows that, that the action that we took was early. And because it was early, it's had a huge effect. And that's why uh, Oregon really is actually is one of the one of the better states in the country in terms of uh, numbers of cases and, and the rate of fatalities in the state as well. Governor Brown announced this week a framework for the state to gradually unwind restrictions related to COVID-19. And she didn't give an exact timeline, but she did give us a, you know, a framework of what she'll be looking for, some metrics to slow the growth of infections, more PPE or personal protective equipment, testing capacity, contact tracing, and a quarantine and isolation program. So let me start with the testing. How important do you think, Director, is widespread testing to uh, containing the COVID-19 outbreak and how close are we to getting enough tests to make that happen? Yeah, widespread testing is really important. 
Uh, and our testing situation has improved a lot from where it was at the very beginning of the outbreak. Uh, for the last uh, two weeks, going on three weeks now, we've been testing about 9,000 people a week. And we as collectively, the State Public Health Laboratory, uh, hospitals, commercial labs, uh, serving practitioners, those kinds of things. Uh, and, and that's a pretty good sized number. We think we need to be testing more like about 15,000 people a week. And we've got some very promising testing technology that's available for us now. Uh, but there are some supply chain problems with that. Um, some of the chemicals used for the testing, even simple things like nasal swabs sometimes are a little bit hard to get. And so we need those uh, pieces of the system to stabilize a little bit more. Um, but I think we're really close to being able to, to hit that 15,000 test uh, a week rate. And really, um, at that level, what we're able to do is effectively go out when we identify a potential case, test that case, test the people around that case, and really try to isolate it so that the case doesn't spread to, uh, to family and other contacts and those kinds of things. Are we still restricting the criteria for who can get a test? You know, the answer to that's a little bit complicated depending on the testing environment you're talking about. We still limit the access to the testing done at the state public health laboratory, but that's a fairly small um, uh, piece of our overall testing capacity, 80 to 100 tests a day, something like that. Hospitals are a big source of testing and they generally tend to limit their testing, obviously, to patients in the hospital and, and their staff and those kinds of things. Other practitioners have a lot more latitude to use their clinical judgment of when they think someone might need a test for COVID-19 and are able to go ahead and collect that sample and process that through a wide variety of labs. So it depends a little bit on exactly who you're seeing. In general, though, our guidance is that you should have symptoms as a sort of a threshold condition to being tested. Let me ask you about a timeline. How long do you think we'll have to have these strict uh, social distancing guidelines? Uh, next month, uh, a number of months? I've seen experts say without a vaccine, we might have to keep doing this, what we're doing, until 2022. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be tenable for us to do exactly what we're doing right now for that length of time. Uh, I think in a, in a period of time when we begin to start seeing the number of cases decreasing, and when we know we have ample hospital capacity, which I think we do today, and when we know we are able to deploy testing and contact tracing, uh, uh, that we'll be able to start making changes and, and, and gradually reopening things that have been shut down in the economy. And, and the framework that the governor outlined really spells out the idea that, that when you get to those thresholds, We'll make changes and reopen some things and then we'll wait and see what happens and see if that reopening causes cases to go back up again, in which case we can kind of back down again, uh, or can we take more steps and open more things? And I think you'll see us be able uh, to start taking those, uh, those sorts of steps in um, uh, weeks, not months from now. You know, and there are a lot of people who think maybe the restrictions should be loosened in rural Oregon where they have few cases as compared to urban areas. Do you think that could happen? Yeah, very much we'll be looking at this from a geographic standpoint, and there may be regional answers that certain parts of the state are able to make changes sooner than other parts of the state. And similarly, we may see a flare-up uh, down the road that occurs in a particular area that might cause us to make changes the other direction that are narrower now because we've got adequate testing to be able to isolate cases. The governor talked about something called contact tracing. Can you help us understand what that is and how it would work here in Oregon? Sure, contact tracing is really nothing uh, more complicated than finding out that someone tests positive for COVID-19. Uh, and someone in the public health system uh, basically gives that person a call and does an interview. 
Uh, and this is a technique that's been done with uh, disease tracking of all different kinds. Um, uh, measles outbreaks, when they happen, is a good, is a good example. Uh, you interview the person and you find out uh, who do they live with, who's in their, in their household that might have been exposed, where do they work, are they in close proximity to people they work with, where else have they been that they might have been in close proximity and at risk of transmitting the disease. And you kind of draw a circle around that and identify people who are at risk and then reach out to those people to talk about their risks, determine whether they might need testing, um, uh, and, and basically try to, try to make that circle something that actually contains that case. Uh, and through quarantine of people in that circle, potentially, uh, uh, stop the spread of the disease. Director, if we have a resurgence, will there be enough personal protective equipment for our healthcare workers? Personal protective equipment has been a big challenge throughout this. Um, it's been a global pandemic that not only obviously affects the entire world, but uh, started in China. And an awful lot of our supply chains for, uh, for personal protective equipment uh, are sourced in, in China. And so that marketplace has been and continues to be significantly disrupted. Uh, we, like about every other state out there, had a, a medical supply stockpile that we ran through pretty quickly. Uh, we've, we've been getting some support from, uh, from federal stockpiles. And there's some sign that those supply chains are beginning to open up again. And that's really a critical component to being able to, uh, to move forward, knowing that factories are churning materials out and that they're able to get into the market. I mentioned earlier that Oregon is actually doing really well compared to a lot of other states, especially since we were one of the first seven states to have a case. That's, that kind of cuts a little bit against us in terms of personal protective equipment because now uh, the priority is to send that to, uh, to hotspots elsewhere, uh, elsewhere in the country. And, and, and so it, it is really challenging for us to get adequate supplies right now. The OHA has increased its transparency recently on the number of people infected, the number of people tested, and the people who've died. But we get a lot of viewers who ask, why not get the numbers for the people who've recovered, who've been hospitalized and have been sent home and recovered, or even those who never went to the hospital but, re but recovered? A couple of states do that already, Minnesota and Iowa. Can we get those numbers? Yeah, we're working on doing that. It's, it's sort of an interesting artifact of our healthcare system. Um, we do a really good job across the entire country of tracking sickness and disease and treatments for disease. Wellness is actually not something that's sort of inherently built into the system uh, for how to track. And so what we're doing is creating a process where we go back kind of like contact tracing uh, and reach out to people who have tested positive and check and see how they're doing. Um, this process has just gotten started, so it's going to be a little bit of time before we can share that data. And, and actually, we're, we're sort of early enough in the, in the pandemic with how long the disease usually takes to run its course that uh, I don't think there are a ton of numbers to report, even if we had all of that data right now. But we are working to regularly be able to, to provide that data. There's a projection that Oregon could see a massive number of people seeking health care through the Oregon Health Plan with all of the layoffs. One projection says 430,000 Oregonians could lose their health care through their employer because of layoffs. And that would mean hundreds of thousands of people would need to be on the Oregon Health Plan, on the state's Medicaid plan. And you already serve one in four Oregonians. Is the Oregon Health Authority prepared for that kind of surge? Well, I think so. Um, we've added large numbers of people to the Oregon Health Plan before. We have a modern uh, uh, data system with a, a modern functioning portal that people have been using for uh, several years now to be able to sign up and, and be qualified for the, for the Oregon Health Plan. There's certainly going to be a big, financial, um, a big financial impact of all of this. 
uh, which is going to be a challenge given the way the, uh, the economy is being affected by COVID. The federal government did uh, provide a big increase in the amount of match they provide for Medicaid, and that'll help a lot. But we still think if we look at most of the models that are out there that, uh, that we'll still have a, a pretty big financial gap that the governor and the legislature will need to deal with. But um, in terms of being able to get people enrolled and get them uh, access to care, uh, I think we're in pretty good shape for that. Just about 30 seconds left. Do you have a final message for Oregonians? What you're doing is working, and it's really, really important that you keep doing it. It's, it's beautiful out. It looks like there's lots of good news, and I know it's tempting um, to, to want to, uh, you know, to go back to life the way it was before. We really need you to keep distancing, keep making the sacrifices that you're making, uh, because only by doing that can we get to a place where we can uh, reopen things and, and begin to get some semblance of, of, a, of a normal life again. Director Pat Allen with the Oregon Health Authority, thanks for joining us and thank you for all you're doing. You're welcome. And when we come back, the pandemic is taking a toll on Oregon's hospitals, especially in rural Oregon. And not in the way you might think. The hospitals are losing a lot of money. Some have had to make layoffs and still others wonder if they'll survive the coronavirus crisis. We hear from the head of the Oregon Association of Hospitals and Health Systems next. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to Straight Talk, I'm Laurel Porter. The pandemic is having what may seem to be an unexpected impact on Oregon hospitals, both urban and rural, with the cancellation of elective surgeries and procedures and fewer people wanting to visit the ER, hospitals are losing a lot of money. Some even face layoffs. Here to give us insight into the coronavirus crisis inside our hospitals, welcome to my guest, the CEO of the Oregon Association of Hospitals and Health Systems, Becky Holtberg. Thank you for joining us here on Straight Talk, Becky. Nice to have you here. Thanks. So nice to be here. I appreciate the invitation. You joined the association uh, last summer and you came from a similar position in Alaska. And I know the team here was really excited to have you join them. I'm sure you never imagined in your first year here that you would be leading the state's hospitals through a pandemic. What has it been like for you? You know, we are really all in unprecedented times right now, whether you're leading a hospital association, you know, whether you're working at home, whether you're laid off, you know, we're just all having to respond in ways that we did not think we'd have to respond to a few short months ago. So I am really privileged to have the opportunity to get to lead our great hospitals through this epidemic. Um, they're doing some really fantastic work. Um, so I'm really happy to be able to share some of that work and the challenges that they face as we are navigating our way through this pandemic. You and the Hospital Association called early on for shelter in place or stay at home orders, really a bold call before the governor did. Why did you feel it was so urgent at the time? You know, really, Laurel, it's a very simple answer. And that was that we felt like it was critical to save lives. Uh, when we looked at what was happening in other countries at the time, it was Italy. Uh, as we looked at what was appearing to happen to our neighbor to the north in Washington state, we realized that if we stayed on the path we were on, our health system was going to get overwhelmed. When the health system gets overwhelmed, um, the mortality rate goes up. And so it was just a really simple calculation for us that, that we needed to flatten the curve and the most effective way to flatten the curve was to, issue, was to institute shelter in place. So we strongly supported the governor's order when she, when she made it as the right decision for the health of Oregonians. 
there have been some consequences people might be surprised by in having these elective procedures and surgeries canceled for weeks now to preserve precious PPE or personal protective equipment for our healthcare workers. That has really uh, hurt a lot of hospitals, urban and rural. Can you tell us about that? Sure, it's kind of counterintuitive. You think if there's a pandemic that hospitals would be full and that revenue would be great, when in fact, really the opposite has occurred. So as we look at what has happened in the pandemic, you have a couple of, of things. First of all, as you noted, elective surgeries have been canceled. So that's people who are going in for a procedure that is perhaps not, not needed to save their life immediately, but they can safely defer for a few months. So that accounts for a significant portion of hospital revenue. I think the second thing that we're seeing, and this is um, perhaps less intuitive, uh, is that people are staying away from hospitals. You know, hospital, they're concerned about their own safety. They recognize that hospitals are places that take care of sick people. Um, they are abiding by the governor's social distancing, and so they are staying home, and that means they are also staying out of hospitals. So we've seen our emergency department volume go down. We've seen clinic volume go down. You know, we have seen across the board reductions. So when you take those two factors together, the elective surgery reduction and the general volume decreases, hospital revenue has declined 42, in some cases, 70%. And that's a huge reduction. It is causing hospitals to make really hard decisions around staffing. And some of them are weeks away from fairly dire financial circumstances. Can you give us an example in rural county, for example, or, or rural Oregon, for example, in Lake County, what's happening there? Well, you know, there, you know, this is an example of a small, uh, of a county that has a small hospital that really, the county itself is not significantly affected by coronavirus, but the hospital's revenue has declined dramatically. And so we've had to take these necessary steps to make sure that we had enough personal protective equipment to save lives, which is why elective surgeries were canceled. That was a statewide decision, but it is nevertheless having a dramatic impact on some counties where there aren't even very many cases. The so again, we supported the decision, but it's been a difficult path for some of our hospitals. The governor has said that she may begin loosening some restrictions and may start with those elective procedures and surgeries, and she's taking input from healthcare leaders like yourself. What are you advising her? So we actually have a task force um, consisting of, of, of association, um, CEOs, operational folks. We, uh, and we are looking at this issue um, right now. We wanna make recommendations to her on how we can safely restart elective procedures, um, but it needs, they need to be thoughtful recommendations based on the best science we have, because we wanna ensure that patients are safe and that caregivers are safe as we restart these elective procedures. Oregon hospitals have requested that the governor create a COVID-19 stabilization fund with $200 million right now to address these needs that you've been talking about for hospitals so they can continue to serve patients. What reaction have you gotten to that request? You know, we have not heard directly from the governor, although I, I do want to acknowledge that the administration has been looking at how to support hospitals through other mechanisms than direct funding. So we've been working very cooperatively with them to, to help rural hospitals but we've not heard a direct response on our request for $200 million. Uh, we have made that request to the governor and to legislators as well. So when the key problem is that revenue has declined dramatically, it's going to take some new money to be able to help stabilize some of these hospitals. So we'll continue to talk about that message with the public, with the governor and with the legislature, because this is fundamentally a public health problem 
If we're going to restart our economy, we have to have a strong healthcare infrastructure that is able to respond to COVID outbreaks. There's been so much said about the lack of PPE or personal protective equipment for our healthcare workers. What has that done to the morale of the healthcare workforce? You know, that is a, it has been really hard and it has been hard for caregivers who've been asked to change the, how they use PPE. Their supplies have been restricted. Um, they, they don't feel safe. Uh, it has been a wrenching process for our hospitals as we've dealt with these shortages of, of critical equipment. Um, as Director Allen said, it does appear like chains are opening up again. So we're seeing a, a better situation than we did a couple of weeks ago, but we still don't have enough PPE. And having enough PPE is critical to healthcare systems getting back to normal operations. Because again, we need to make sure our caregivers feel safe and we want our patients to feel safe as they come into the hospital. Do you know how many healthcare workers in Oregon have tested positive for COVID-19? You know, I do not know specifically. I know a couple of systems have released the number of caregivers that have tested positive. As we know, that is a high, it is a high risk occupation that our frontline caregivers are, are most at risk. We are doing all that we can on the hospital side to support them. PPE is one way that we're supporting them. Um, but again, the best thing we can do right now as a society is to continue to follow the governor's social distancing criteria so we can lower the number of cases which keeps all of us more safe. If you had to guess about a timeline, what would you like to see as the head of the hospital association, a timeline for when we lift these restrictions? You know, I think we would like to see a stage timeline that is really based on good information and good data. So it, it, may, it will likely be not just flipping a switch and saying we're off one day, we're on the next, but that we have a gradual timeline with some markers that say when we can, when cases numbers go to this level, we can safely do X. Um, that when we have this amount of PPE, we can safely reopen these kinds of surgeries. So we are, um, it's not a matter of a specific date. I would hope within weeks we can begin resuming some activity. But again, it is really gonna be dependent on how well Oregonians continue to follow the social distancing guidelines the governor has put out. That will really determine our ability to reopen our health care system and our economy. Are you concerned that as the state starts to lift these restrictions, we might see a resurgence and would hospitals be prepared for that? Well, I think that's a key question because we have to have functioning hospitals because the likelihood is high that after we lift these restrictions, we will see some kind of resurgence. We hope it's a small one that's easily dealt with but it's critical to have hospital capacity in the event of a resurgence. In other countries, we've seen that once the case numbers get down and the restrictions get lifted, cases do come back. What we really want at that point is the hospital capacity um, to, handle, to handle those cases and the ability to trace contacts so that a, that a small outbreak stays small and does not become a broader problem for the state and for the economy. We have a little more than a minute left, but I'd like to ask you if you had a message you wanted to give to people in the hospital system, the workforce in the hospitals in Oregon. Well, I would just say that we, uh, we know that our frontline caregivers are really our healthcare heroes in this epidemic. They're the ones responding. They are the ones who are you know, going to work every day, caring for people who are sick, and they have had to deal with shortages of PPE. We appreciate their efforts. Uh, I, I think it is, is beautiful to see some of the, su the support across the state 
for our healthcare workers. And we, I want to thank Oregonians for supporting these vital workers at this time. I also think that we should say thank you to the who are delivering groceries, the people who are really keeping the parts of our economy that, that can function functioning during this time. And just a, about 20 seconds, but a final thought for Oregonians in general. Well, we, I think staying, staying home is what has, has allowed our curve to bend. It will, it will be what will allow us to get back to normal healthcare operations and it will allow our economy to reopen. So you are doing the things that we need to do in order to get back to normal and hopefully all enjoy what we, we hope will be a beautiful Oregon summer. Yes, we sure hope so. Becky Holtberg, the CEO of the Oregon Association of Hospitals and Healthcare Systems, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for having me. And thank you for watching and listening. Don't forget to download our new podcast. Here's a QR code that will take you to a link where you can download it or get it wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for KGW Straight Talk. We'll see you next week for Straight Talk. Stay home and stay safe and have a great week.